It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away first. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Big, 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 big. <laughs> Blake, Iowa Gopher. Andy, that's not, I don't think that's appropriate to call Chris a pig, um, but I am here and full of hate. <laughs> and you street. Hey, y'all. All right, so we need to talk about Northwestern. I have been led to believe that some of you think that game was shit, and some of you have shit to say. I am going to start with Blake, who I believe has shit to say. Yeah, there's been reports that this game was you know, boring, um, uninteresting, uh, nothing burger. I have a lot of questions. Number one, how dare you? Um, I... On my behalf, I think there's a lot of positives in this game. Um, you know, Mo Ibrahim rushed for 178 yards and three touchdowns. His you know streak of, of consecutive games with 100 rushing yards is um, now up to 18 games. Um, he also tied the program single season record for rushing touchdowns with 18. So he's got a chance to break that record. Um, he's now second all time in career rushing yards at Minnesota. He trails, I think, Dale Thompson by only about 400 yards, maybe. Um, but beyond that, I thought you know the offensive line had their best conference game of the season um we got off to a little bit of a rough start those first two drives but um throughout the rest of the game i thought they played physical played really well opened up running holes not only for mo but for Potts and eventually zach evans as well making his you know true freshman debut um but yeah i thought uh and i think too um you know people will tell you northwestern's defensive front just isn't very good um but I'd argue too that um last week against ohio state um the weather conditions dictated that, you know, passing wasn't really going to be a thing. So Northwestern knew what Ohio State was going to do every play. And even then, um, you know, Ohio State only racked up 200 rushing yards and kind of similar similar situation this week where Minnesota's passing game just wasn't there. You know, a lot of drop passes. Ethan didn't have the best game. Um, Minnesota ended up rush, running the ball about 58 times. And even then, Northwestern couldn't stop it. Um, they got 300 rushing yards on the day. So... Overall, just a very overpowering effort on offense, which is what you want to see against an opponent like Northwestern. So improvement on that side of the ball. Um, defensively, I thought it was a fantastic game. Um, held Northwestern to three points. Um, particularly impressed with the pass rush, you know, particularly Jay Joyner, and he was going up against um, offensive tackle Peter Skronsky, who I believe is supposed to be first-round draft pick next year, and I thought Joyner looked really good against him. Had a, you know, drew a couple holding penalties, um, some quarterback pressures, so... Um, that's really promising, especially heading into the IO game. But overall, I thought it was a lot of really good game for Minnesota, a lot of positives, um, which they needed going into these last two weeks. Andy or Street, your counterpoint, please. Uh, it was cold. It was really cold. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Uh, so the game was shit because you didn't know how to dress properly as a Minnesotan? Uh, no, I, I, I winter dressed. It was still cold. Um, Ethan, <laughs> Ethan looked like 
ass. I mean, there's. I'll, I'll just be honest. He looked terrible. Hopefully he gets things figured out. I don't know if it's, it was a mechanical issue. It's I don't almost know. like he's a redshirt freshman like making his... Oh, I, I, under, I understand that. And, 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 that's, and we can talk about that. He looked better at Penn State. He looked better in the second half against Nebraska. So what happened? Because... He was not that bad in those two games. Like, I mean, he was missing easy passes badly. So the question is, was it a mechanical issue? Was it nerves? I don't know. But if he's playing this week against Iowa, P.J. Fleck, Kirk Shiraka, and company better figure out what the hell it was in a hurry. Um, but, I mean, the, the fans definitely got antsy as, as Ethan missed wide-open receivers a couple of times. Um but yes, the, the good news was Mo. The good news is is um, we didn't really have any injury issues. We killed two north or northwestern quarterbacks. Um, the unbelievable amount of TV timeouts was was getting a little crazy. People were definitely grumbling about that as we kept hurting northwestern players and they kept taking more and more TV timeouts. Um, that that uh, that was it was cold. Um, so if you were at the game and you thought it was cold last week, uh, we'll get to it when we talk about Iowa, but add about three layers on. Cause, um, for, for those of us who are complaining about how cold it was as North Western, it's going to be even worse against Iowa. Uh, at least that game, both everybody wants to keep the ball on the ground the entire time. So maybe the clock will just run, 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 run. But, uh, no, I mean, it was, it wasn't an ass game. It just was, it was what we should have done against Northwestern. It was a, it was a pretty, low-key dominating performance they did what they needed to do they kept everybody healthy and now we can look ahead to the game that everybody's had circled for the last 350-ish days um and see whether the gophers can finally live up to the expectations that everybody has for them before we go on i believe this is two weeks in a row not that andy has used ass as a descriptor is that am i wrong on that you are not wrong on that this is becoming a pattern now, Andy. Like you're the, you're the ass man now. <laughs> oh, I have a Seinfeld insert for this thing. Uh, I just want to be clear. I'm recapping what I heard from Andy as we had a redshirt freshman quarterback who played like one. That sucks. Also, it was cold and the network TV people are terrible at stealing money and time from us. In other words, a good game, all things considered, would be my point. Uh, not one we want to see repeated quarterback play-wise, but, you know, we have to see it repeated before we have a problem. Otherwise, we just have a redshirt freshman playing like a redshirt freshman for the first time, truly, all season, would be my take, is, is what I'll put out there. All right, pig. Pig, big pig. Is Minnesota going to avoid screwing up enough to win the pick? Because let's face it, Iowa's not a good team. They have a very good defense, but they are not a good team. And they have won games this year because the teams who face them do dumb things and give them the ball and let them block punts and got all the things that have won them games against teams that, frankly, in all other aspects, there are several times they should have lost games that they won. So will Minnesota do well enough to avoid the stupidity that Iowa needs to win football games? Street, I'm starting with you. I would say the answer to that is yes, they will. 
partially because while some members of this blog commentariat have forgotten the first rule of rivalry games, one never ever picks your rival to win a football game against you. And also, I think this will very much be a battle of defenses. I think that Minnesota's offense is better than Iowa's offense, and I'm even including here the fact that uh, Brian Ferentz, your nepotistic player of the week always, is probably going to have his best play-calling game of the season for reasons unclear. Undoubtedly, because he always does. It's annoying. Yeah, I. it's just hard for me to look at this game and think this would be a fun game for nonpartisans to watch. Unless you're on the Sickos Committee. I think the Sickos Committee is probably very excited. I mean, I suppose it's possible if you really get your rocks off watching the worst football imaginable, you would likely enjoy this game. But as Andy mentioned, it's going to be cold. That means it's going to be hard to throw the ball. Both teams are generally inept on offense. Probably going to suck. Minnesota 6-3. Oh, God. We know we're in Sicko's territory if I'm getting a score prediction at all from you, much less, you know, nine minutes into a podcast. It's going to be really bad. <laughs> okay. Andy, what do you think are the keys uh, for Minnesota picking up, uh, bringing Floyd home? What, what does Minnesota most need to do to bring Floyd home? Don't turn over the damn ball, especially in your own territory. I mean, that's it. If we get into a... Slap, running slap fight, I think we have a slight advantage and can relatively draw even. But the instant Iowa gets the ball in Minnesota territory because somebody threw an interception or somebody fumbled or somebody did something incredibly stupid like go for it on fourth and one from their own 30 when there's no way they should have done that, that's when I think Iowa puts the foot on the throat and finishes the Gophers off. So, I mean, I think... They have to play smart, they have to coach smart, and they have to avoid handing Iowa the ball where their mediocre offense can do just enough to get points. If Iowa has to drive 75, 80 yards most of the game, I think the gopher defense is in pretty good shape. But you start giving Iowa 30-yard fields, and that's when you're in trouble. And, And part of that is the Iowa defense is really good at putting opposing teams in that, but a bigger chunk is Minnesota can't do something stupid it's it's that easy if they can execute they've got a chance if they don't see if lloyd blake i'm gonna take from your prediction that you do not see minnesota avoiding enough stupid plays (sighs) to provide some context here for those that don't know i I hate Iowa. I grew up in Iowa. I grew up with Hawkeye fans. This game is very personal to me. Um, I had to go back to Iowa for the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And for the past seven years, I've had to go back knowing that Minnesota had lost Iowa and had to wear that as a, I don't know, bad, I don't want to say badge of honor, but just like uh, something on my forehead, basically. But uh, and what frustrates me is the way they win games because they have probably the worst offense in the country this year with perhaps the best defense in the country. And that defense is just so effective at executing 
Kirk Ferentz's philosophy, which is just to win the field position battle and eventually wear down your opponent into giving you a short field that their inept offense can score on it. You know, as Andy said, it's either going to be a turnover, which sometimes they can score on their own. You know, they've had, I think, two interceptions, two pick sixes, two fumble returns for touchdowns, two safeties. So the defense can score on its own, but it can also create scoring opportunities. And I mean, the big thing is, too, they've got perhaps one of the best punters in the country in Tory Taylor. Um, who can flip the field and just constantly pin you in bad spots. And if you're, if you're trading punts with Iowa and you can't go punt for punt, which I don't think Mark Crawford can do, unfortunately, for Minnesota, from what we've seen of him this year, he's just, I'd say, at best, a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten punter. Um, that's just not a battle I think Minnesota can win, um, the special teams battle and the field position battle. So I think they really need to have success on offense. And they just... They're just not a team, I think, that has enough dimension. I mean, they're the past three. They've won. They're you know three on the past three games, but part of not a lot of that has been the passing game against you know against Nebraska. Obviously, Ethan was able to come in at halftime, get things going through the air, um, and take advantage of um, Nebraska's vulnerabilities in, the, in their secondary. But this is just this Iowa defense is just very patient. They're very disciplined. Um, you know, they sit there in their zone coverage. They're not. You know, you think of Wisconsin's defense; they're very aggressive. They're gonna they're gonna throw everything at you, try and pressure you. Iowa just sits there, knows their assignments, and waits for you to make a mistake. Um, you know, they give you up; they'll give up yards between the 20s sometimes, but then they'll buckle down in the red zone and hold you to a field goal. Um, so it's just, I have a I have a hard time having faith in this Minnesota offense being able to generate enough points or yards even to kind of keep. Iowa's offense away from a short field that they can capitalize on. Um, I'd love to believe that they can just run it down Iowa's throw with with Mo Ibrahim and this off and this offensive line can repeat the performance they had against Northwestern, but I just haven't seen that consistently enough. And um, yeah, in the passing game, it's just yeah. I, I think by game eleven, you kind of are what you are in the passing game. This hasn't been there all year. Um, you know, the wide receivers are what they are. Ethan, you know, we've seen how well he can play and how not well he can play on last week so it's just there's not enough consistency there for me to believe that minnesota can do what is necessary to snap you know seven game losing streak and finally reclaim floyd as depressing as that is all right i'm asking this next question one because Blake did a wonderful job of setting me up for it and two because it's on the agenda i want to note i'm asking this question under protest i think it's a dumb question, and I don't want to go there. Who gives us a better chance to win, Tanner or Ethan? Ethan, because as far as we know, Tanner still has concussion-like symptoms. Okay, let's add that caveat. Somehow Tanner is clean. Andy? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's an argument if Tanner is back to 100% health. Um, from an accuracy standpoint at least in the shorter passing game, I think you can make an argument Tanner is better. Now we've seen bad Tanner and we've seen good Tanner. So, I mean, that's there's levels of that, too. Um, but there is no doubt that Ethan is much more mobile, is much more able to create things with his legs if the pocket closes down. Um and that's a huge advantage as well. The question is, is, is you can, like I said, you can make arguments either way. If you can get Ethan to pass and throw the ball like he did in the second half of the Nebraska game, then Ethan is your choice. But if Ethan is going to look like he did, especially in the first half of the Northwestern game, 
I think it's a lot closer than you think. I mean, he he cost the Gophers two potential touchdowns with horrible throws, which you can get away with against Northwestern. You cannot get away with that against Iowa. If the Gophers blow opportunities like that, they're not winning the game. And so, I mean, I, I definitely see an argument on both sides. Um, do you want the do you want the player that's much more dynamic and create something out of nothing, but also is much more likely to potentially throw a really costly turnover? Or do you want the person who's potentially more steady and the gopher offensive line is gonna have to keep him hundred percent clean, which again, I guess this offensive Iowa defense is no guarantee. Um but you know, is not gonna be flashy and is is hopefully just gonna execute in, in the short passing game. Um you know, the answer probably, looking at the Iowa defense, is Ethan. But if we have bad Ethan, I, I feel real bad about Saturday. Well, I mean, I think that's, if you get bad either quarterback, it's a bad Saturday. I think when it comes down to it, one, I think Street's right. Uh, Tanner's not healthy, so that's why you're not going to see Tanner. Uh, even if Tanner's healthy, I I think an undynamic player in quarterback against this defense is going to get you the same problems. He's going to be throwing short passing game into tight windows with press coverage, and we've seen how well that goes. He doesn't have a great game against that kind of defense either. It, it was the Illinois game. It didn't go well. Um, so I don't think steady is going to get it done. I agree with you. He's less likely to probably blow up and throw the terrible interception because he's past that for the most part. Like, he has bad Tanner days, but for the most part, like, his bad Tanner days this season haven't been that bad. Like, they've just been more of a product of he doesn't have receivers who can get open, and he gets forced into trying to make a play to receivers who haven't given him what he needs. Um, But, I mean, I don't know. Just put Ethan in. Tanner's going to be hurt anyway. I love Tanner. Dude has gutted through and delivered so much wonderful moments in our time with him. But uh, at this point, he's gotten his bell rung multiple times this season. Just give him the rousing send-off he deserves um, for senior day and let him let him graduate and start a life and not pick up another another concussion and go with the guy who has the potential to actually – win the game with his arm if he's playing as well as he can. Uh, Blake, any any disagreements? Who 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 do you side more with, me or Andy? I really think it's got to be Cole Kramer. Fuck you. <laughs> no, I, I, I think, I mean, if you think back to these last three games against Iowa, one of the recurring themes, and these games have been burned in my memories, trust me on this, is one of the recurring themes of those games has been Tanner getting obliterated. I think two, at least two of the games ended with just him getting sacked repeatedly. And I just think Ethan gives you that more mobile element where they can move the pocket. He can escape pressure and extend plays. Um, because just, yeah, when they're playing against press, those quick passes just aren't always going to be there. Um, it's best to just take your chance with the guy who can maybe, uh, you know, extend the play and hope that guys get open against the side defense. I think, you know, I think Andy's a little reading much, a little reading a little too much into his performance last week. You know, it wasn't good, but you know, I, I don't, I'm not really to say there's a bad eighth, and I just think he had a bad game. Um, and I mean, he's a freshman, so that's going to happen. So it's it, that's the thing with a freshman. You're not you're not sure which version you're going to get or how well he's going to play on a given day. So 
I think you just got to roll the dice. And I mean, if you look at Iowa last year, you know, they came into this game, they came into that game with Spencer Peters having problems and they switched it to Alex Padilla and he provided enough of a spark for them to win that game. I think if Peters had played that game, they don't win. Um, so hopefully karma swings the other direction this year and Ethan has that game for Minnesota. But um, yeah, to me, I think it's as much as I'd love to see Tanner come in and finally get a win over Iowa to kind of get that send off on senior day. Um, obviously his health is a huge, is the most important thing there. But um, I really think in this game, you got to just roll the dice on Nathan and see what you get. I mean, they've lost seven straight at this point. What do you have to lose? You know, we, we are actually, you know, to, to, to take it uh, full uh, optimism, you know, we're really setting ourselves up to experience what we got to experience in 2018. You've got your your uh, red shirt coming in for the injured starter uh, earlier in the season, uh, continues to play, uh, then goes on and beats a hated rival, this time at home, not on the road, but in a game where you definitely had concerns that the defense of the hated rival would take advantage of the youngster and instead pulls together a solid game and uh, gets you a trophy uh, to celebrate with that you haven't seen in uh, quite some years. So it feels to me like uh, we're talking about just a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, celebration story, honestly, uh, is what I think we're setting the stage for. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that one. Let's Let's go with that. All right, basketball, I'll be honest, I didn't watch any of the game against uh, DePaul. Am I supposed to be in really annoyed? Is this like a thing that, you know, this is just where we are with this team? I don't even know if DePaul's any good. Street, you got to help me out here. Like, how am I supposed to feel? Paul, DePaul is not very good, at least relative to any of the actually good teams that Minnesota's going to play all year. And Minnesota is still starting a former walk-on who – is not the person who I would expect to be a starter when Jameson Battle becomes healthy. It is difficult to describe, at least to me, what I think the main difference will be when Jameson Battle returns. But at minimum, I would think the point differential is probably in the double digits. And that, therefore, means that it's not good to lose to DePaul, particularly the way that they lost the DePaul game. Everyone other than Pharrell Payne was horrendous in the first half. The second half, the defense looked very, very shaky for long stretches. It didn't really matter too much who was actually playing. When the team needed a stop, they were unable to get one. It is also game three of a lot of new faces on the team from a coalesce and a gelling perspective. And to put the cards on the table, this is not a team who we expect to be an NCAA tournament team. So a very good, like Ben Johnson, coach of the year, good would be getting close to eight or nine wins in the big 10. If you look at it from that perspective, loss is still a bad loss, but it is less bad than, for example, losing to, say, St. Francis the game before. Is there anything they can be doing until they get more talent on the floor to make up for the offensive rebound situation? Go zone. <laughs> okay. I it, it's, it really is kind of surprising just how 
poorly they defended against DePaul. DePaul, I think, in the kind of classic coach speak, every 50-50 ball, DePaul won. DePaul out-physicaled everyone not named Pharrell Payne last night. That DePaul was willing to be scrappy, you know, all of the, as I say, coach speak terms. And some of that, frankly, is be more physical, hope the ball doesn't bounce as weird as the ball bounced. Rebounding is mostly effort. How long until we get battle back? Is he still game to game? He is week to week recovering from a foot injury. I would suspect that he will be back sometime in the next three weeks, but he could be back next game. He could be back in six weeks. Yeah, Ben Johnson, he he was sort of talking out of both sides of his mouth. I did see that, that apparently he told BTN during the game or before the game or whatever that they didn't expect him back until after Thanksgiving, and then apparently he told the media after the game that he could be back as early as this weekend. So um, your guess is as good as mine. I think they'd love to have him out at the uh, San Juan Capistrano tournament this weekend, but, uh, you know, they obviously need him much more for the uh, for the. Big Ten season coming up, so you don't want to re-aggravate anything. I've clearly done my job as a host and prepared well for this. Who are they playing in San Juan? Nobody particularly fantastic. What is it, like Cal Baptist and UNLV? And I'm actually pulling up the schedule right now where the fourth team is in this tournament. And it's San Juan Capistrano, California. Not San Juan, as in Puerto Rico. Um, yeah, schedule will go ahead. They play uh, play Central Michigan Thursday night at home at the barn. And then Monday night, uh, they play Cal Baptist in the opening game. And then uh, I don't actually have the other two teams. It's UNLV and somebody. Um, so they'll be playing UNLV or somebody in the second game the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. So... Um, and then they host Virginia Tech in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, or they go to Virginia Tech Big Ten ACC Challenge the Monday after Thanksgiving. So we still got three games left before Thanksgiving break that Battle may or may not be back for. I want to be really clear that the Arrested Development joke where no one knows George Michael's girlfriend and keeps referring to her as her is basically how you can think of the Minnesota non-conference schedule. I mean, given that fact, losses in the in the schedule are obviously not great if somehow this team is good enough to bubble themselves into talking about a, a berth, you know, later in the season, do we have to really worry about losses in these three games if they don't have battle? Um, like kind of worry or these teams are bad enough where they should probably just win. I wouldn't put pretty, the Virginia but... tech game down as a loss, but I might've put it down as a loss with this team at full strength. I think it is, reasonable to be worried about california baptist if that turns to be a loss i would be less concerned in some capacity if it was unlv and since we can't remember offhand who somebody is it's probably not very good god i hope that's a fair assessment of our memory (laughs) uh all right, well, uh, the women have had uh, an interesting start to the season. Um, somebody want to break that down for me? Because my awareness of what's going on is limited to they've decided to bring UConn in to kick their butts next year. 
Yeah, the women have now won an absolute thriller against Lehigh, 101-99, in a game that was simultaneously very bad. Minnesota attempted something like 96 shots and made about 31 of them, and also simultaneously really awesome. Marabron making... A three at the end of the the game is a buzzer beater to take it. Mara Braun is very good at basketball. The team that Minnesota currently has on the floor is outrageously young. It's a bunch of freshmen and one sophomore. The freshmen are going to be really good. How good ceiling-wise, you know, in comparison to, say, like, the Iowa team or certainly a UConn, unclear. But Mara Braun, at least early on, is absolutely doing everything that the recruiting pitch for her was which is she can make a lot of shots she can do lots of different things she's really good amaya battle is really good Uh, katie borowitz made some key plays down the stretch and she's just an amazing story the fact that she's even playing after sort of pseudo brain surgery last year and is doing quite well it is a fun team to watch it is also a very frustrating team to watch and i suspect that particular duality will exist throughout the entirety of the season a season need i remind you that lindsey whalen probably really needs to go well for long term at the program yeah i mean the biggest thing about this team that they're gonna have to figure out is one they have basically zero depth because half the team lost last year and they brought in all the freshmen I mean, they, they pretty much play seven, eight deep max. So if they ever run into any games where they're going to have foul trouble, they're going to be in deep trouble. And two, they still don't have any type of inside game. They're still going to be playing the three, four guard outside shooting offense. So when they're making shots, then we're good. If they have one of those 25, 26, 28% shooting nights from the outside, they're going to get run off the floor because they don't have a single player on this roster that they can throw in the post and expect to get more than six points a game. They just don't. Um, so, when, especially when we get into Big Ten play, you compare that to uh, Minnesota native Monica Cinzano for Iowa, who's just an absolute beast in the post. I mean, the Gophers don't have a single person who can stop her. Um, it, it's just, it's not going to happen. So, um yeah, the, as Ed Street said, they'll be a really, really fun team to watch, but there are going to be some games where it's an oh, incredibly frustrating team, and you're just like, can, can you do this? And, and they literally can't. So, um, yeah, know what you're going into getting into the before you show up to a game, because hopefully you get the, the good team and not the bad team. Coin flips. Rolling dice. I don't like it. Hopefully it turns out better more often than not. But, uh, yeah, that doesn't. Well, it's always exciting-ish, maybe. Go with that. Uh, speaking of exciting, uh, apparently Penn State is decided to be good um, at hockey again. So, Andy, you want to break down that uh, split with Penn State this past weekend? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Penn State came into to 3 and Marina last weekend. Uh, the Gophers, once again, the ranked number one in the country. Penn State came in at number seven, and uh, they took uh, the opener on Thursday night, 4-2. Uh, to two. Um, Penn State played well, but the Gophers sort of shot themselves in the foot. Uh, they got back into playing their sort of pretty hockey ways. Uh, instead of just shooting the puck, they tried to make the absolute perfect pass 
which did not work. Penn State was defending that well all night. Uh, there were a couple incidents where, I mean, Minnesota had point-blank shots and decided to try and make the one more pass and didn't even get a, sh- a shot off. And the, the crowd was not pleased, uh, myself included, um, at their effort on Friday night. But they came back and fought back, and they did get the sweep, a 3-1 win. Uh, two late goals by Bryce Brzezinski, uh, set up by Jackson Nelson. Um, and a very memorable, if you haven't seen it, uh, check of uh, Gopher freshman phenom Logan Cooley by one of the Penn State players that uh, sent the plexiglass shattering at Mariucci about five rows up the seats. Um, it was it was pretty impressive. You don't see that happen very often, especially on a check. Um, and even more impressive, the uh, the Gopher Arena staff getting that pane of glass replaced in about six and a half minutes. So uh, good on them. But uh, Gophers get the sweep. They're currently uh, sitting in third place in the Big Ten through uh, through three series. Uh, they fell back down to uh, number two in the country this week. Denver retook the number one spot. Uh, they don't have an easy weekend. It's another Thursday-Friday series during the football, and they're heading to uh, Ann Arbor to face number three, Michigan. Uh, Gophers and Wolverines, 5.30 face-off Thursday night, 5 o'clock face-off Friday night, uh, both games on BTN, and it should be uh, a great game matchup between arguably the two most talented teams in the conference. Uh, Penn State is overachieving. They don't have quite the talent that Minnesota and Michigan do, uh, but they're playing great right now. But uh, Michigan lost several of their high draft picks to the NHL, but they still have uh, several on the roster, including another great freshman player uh, named Adam Fantilli. So it should be a couple of big games between the Gophers and Wolverines this weekend. If you had to kind of predict how those games play out, don't worry about predicting who wins necessarily. If we're looking at high-scoring contests, what what are we looking at? Yeah, I mean, both teams are definitely the higher-scoring teams. Uh, Michigan, just like Penn State, is in the top, I think they're in top five or type six uh, scoring teams in the country. Minnesota is about 10th. uh, Michigan still has their uh, their Swedish goalie, uh, who they've had for the last year, who's pretty good. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Minnesota. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we have another split, um, but I could definitely see uh, something like a five three and a five four game or something like that. Wouldn't be wouldn't be surprising at all. But uh, I think the Gophers will be happy if they can go in and at least get three points out of Ann Arbor and uh, see what happens from there. Blake. Are you ready for a hockey question? As ready as I'll ever be. All right. Is Mel Pearson still the head coach at Michigan? Yes. Uh, incorrect. That, incorrect. Uh, Damn it. Could I, could I tell you which one of his assistants took over? No, I don't know his name off the top of my hand. But uh, yeah, Pearson left uh, over the summer after Michigan sort of didn't renew his contract after a whole series of um, reviews due to um, sort of issues. Being with an abusive asshole. I mean, that was one thing, and, and hiring abusive assholes and not, not sort of overseeing that and and the whole COVID controversy, which may or may not have happened, depending upon when Michigan had to drop out of the 2020 NCAA tournament um, after maybe falsifying COVID records, maybe not. Nobody nobody really officially has the answer on that. But long story short, Mel Pearson is gone. Uh, one of Mel Pearson's assistants, again, blanking on the name, don't have it in front of me. It's- I've got you. I've got you, actually. We're going we're gonna to do Ask Blake a Hockey Question, only it's Andy and it's true or false. 
True or false, Andy, Brandon Naruto is the interim head coach at Michigan. That the Naruto, that sounds familiar. I believe that is correct, yes. Yes, that is that is the interim head coach. Uh, Blake, we're going to give you a, a makeup opportunity here. And just to be clear, uh, I, I'm still catching up on news from the summer, so that one just – I hadn't gotten to that yet, the news about the Pearson. So I'll get there eventually, though. Uh, you know, I, let me know when you find out who won the World Series. Thank you. <laughs> All right. What is the name of Wisconsin women's hockey's uh, arena? <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. Okay, does it start with the letter L, the letter S, or the letter T? Was this Wheel of Fortune all of a sudden? Give me the letters. Basically. Give me the letters again. L, S, or T? L. Congratulations, you got there. It's Laban Arena. There we go. I'll take that. Laban Arena is where the Gophers will be playing a huge border battle this weekend, Andy. Tell us more. Yes, as uh, talking about the men, it doesn't get easy. Well, the women, this is their third week in a row playing a top five ranked team. So far, the Gophers have held their own pretty well, uh, taking four out of six points at Ohio State, was then number one, and then hosting Minnesota Duluth and and getting a big sweep. forget that whole loss in the Hall of Fame game to St. Cloud State, because apparently the national voters did, because even though Gophers lost that game, they kept them ranked number one in the country this week. Uh, And they will head into number three, Wisconsin, for a big border battle series, Uh, Gophers-Badgers. It's a Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon series, which honestly couldn't have been timed about worse. I'm sure it was due to Wisconsin football or something. I'm not sure why. Um, so, so the good news is Saturday's game uh, is one of those locally that's been picked up by Fox 9 Plus that you can watch live on the Twin Cities. Um, the bad news is it starts at 2 o'clock, so you can watch the first period before 98% of the people are just going to flip down the dive to regular Fox for the uh, Gopher-Iowa game. But uh, that is available over the air for the Twin Cities Saturday at 2, and then again Sunday at 2 o'clock, that one only on BTN+. Plus. So uh, you got to pay to see that one. But yeah, uh, Wisconsin has reloaded. They brought back a ton of talent who was uh, nationalized for the Olympic teams, both uh, U.S. and Canadian. They've got a couple of great freshmen who are uh, playing out of their minds. The biggest sort of question mark for Wisconsin so far this year has been their goaltending. Um, and the games they've lost, that's been how they've done it. So Minnesota has a high-powered offense. They need to put the puck on net, and if they can uh, if they can get the pass puck past the Badger goalie, uh, I see good things for the Gophers this weekend. Uh, Skylar Vetter has been playing great in goal since she's basically usurped the number one spot for Minnesota. This will be, you know, other than the Ohio State series, this is definitely going to be the most tested she's been since she's taken over that number one spot. Um, so yeah, hopefully the Gophers show up and, uh, can bounce back from that, uh, they had a weekend off after that St. Cloud State loss. And, uh, I think Wisconsin plays a much better style for Minnesota. St. Cloud State was sort of playing that tighter, tighter style, um, not letting Gophers take advantage. This Wisconsin-Minnesota game is going to be up and down the ice, back and forth, um, both teams are going to have great shots. It's going to be dependent on, on the goalies to make some saves and, and so I think it should be a, a really good weekend, even though, uh, like I said, due to due to fun timing with football, uh, unless you have BTN Plus for Sunday's game, nobody's going to see it, unfortunately. What crappy basketball game are they playing on BTN instead of these two teams, is my question. Because whatever it is, no. 
you should be broadcasting Sunday's game on regular BTN. Travesty. I don't even need an answer. It doesn't matter what the answer is. This should be what's on BTN on Sunday. Get your act together big time. Predictions. I'm going to go to you, Blake, and then I'm going to boo you. Put some numbers in there so that I can boo you. I'm a broken man, okay? I'm a broken man. This is a, the last seven years have taken a toll, okay? I I can't get my hopes up because I just there's I'm not ready to get hurt again. I'm the opposite of the meme. The meme says I'm ready to get hurt again. I'm not ready to get hurt again. I've got Iowa winning 26-13 on Saturday. So go ahead, let me hear it. Let's let's get this over with. Boo this man! I'm not even sure I have the heart. I'm going to insert a boo. That's what I assumed you would post, so I'll, I'll look forward to that in the recording. All right, Andy, who do you got? Uh, first, I'm just going to clarify to get a reaction. It's not only basketball. Uh, we've got Purdue at Nebraska Volleyball, which takes up the first half of when the hockey game would be. And then it's Arkansas Pine Bluff at Nebraska. So uh, we can blame the Cornhuskers for screwing up the potential Sunday hockey uh you know, so screw you, Lincoln. Fucking fucking Arkansas Pine Bluff. No, just go to the go 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 to the second period of the women's game. Like no, no, no. Don't don't even try to defend it. It's the Nebraska day back to back. They gotta go back to back to keep those viewers who are actually no. will show up for the Purdue Nebraska volleyball game. Factually, no, no, no. I know you can say that, but. Big Ten actually probably gets better ratings for volleyball than they do for women's hockey, so uh, I well, can't. That's fine. I don't care about the volleyball. That, that's two <laughs> very good volleyball teams. I'm fine with that. It's the Pine Bluff. No, 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 no. All right. What's your prediction? Anyway, so you can throw a boo in here too. I'm going reverse jinx this week. I've got Iowa 16-14. Boo this man! Um, I hope that's not the case. I hope the Gophers can pull it out. Um, I. Just don't know if the I have enough confidence in them not creating that one critical turnover, which is going to turn the game. So hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully I go reverse jinx. Minnesota pulls it off. We can all be chided next week. Um, but Minnesota's got to show me. And so that's what I'm going for. 16-14 Hawkeyes. Yes. Yes, it's horrible. This idea. Street, you've already done the right thing. I'm proud of you. You're a good human being. Do you have an additional stat-based prediction you'd like to offer? No, nah, it's going to suck. <laughs> okay. Uh, I am sticking with my predictions that have no basis in reality. Although, perhaps in this game, if Street is right, my prediction will have a basis in reality. Minnesota 5, Iowa 2. Iowa gets their little crazy safety... Nonsense, good defense, blah, blah, blah. It's not enough. Minnesota 5, Iowa 2. You heard it here first on the Daily Gopher podcast. Uh, Keep an eye out for all the rest of this week's content. Pray for Blake's soul in the meantime. And go Gophers. Sky Yuma, row the boat. Go Gophers, row the boat.